This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 63 of Retired Racehorse Radio on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products and Cashel Company. Retired Racehorse Radio is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse, brought to you in cooperation with the Retired Racehorse Project and New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. In today's episode, we speak with bit expert Abby Klein as she gives her best tips for finding the best bit for your horse. RRP Spotlight Rider is Cody Campbell, and she shares her journey on retraining her very unique thoroughbred for the makeover. And Leandra Cooper gives us another training tip and introduces our adoptable horse of the week, Mo Spicy. Love it. It's such a great name. Oh, and our listener of the week is Jessica Richmond. If you'd like to be our listener of the week, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Now back to the show. And they're off on Retired Racehorse Radio, the podcast that is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse. This is Jamie Jennings, and I'm in Norman, Oklahoma. And this is Joy Orr in Detroit, Michigan, and you're listening to Retired Racehorse Radio. And it's finally September. I think the next three oh. months are so perfect. Like it's, September, October, and November, like g- game on. It's amazing. For anyone who's not a horse person, you might think of a beautiful moment as, you know, that perfect walk on a, a Saturday day or, you know, having your golden hour for your Instagram photos, if that's what you like to do. For us, it's fall as a horse person. Man, just, I just, I'm ready for these ginormous pterodactyl-sized horse flies to go away. I don't same. remember them. Oh, my God. It's like, a, it's a pandemic of horse flies. It honestly feels like a biblical pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> it's a biblical Between event. that, the 99% humidity, my hair not fitting in my helmet for three months. <laughs> I'm ready to just not sweat constantly. Yeah. And enjoy some cider, maybe with a little bourbon in there. Just Man, now you're it. talking. I can't even think about cider. It's roaring fire. Have some, you know. But but there's actually something pretty cool going on in England that you wanted to talk to us about because this yes. is such a cool idea. September is also for, at least in the UK, it's not in the US yet, but we're going to petition guys. It's National Racehorse Week for them from September 12th to the 19th of September all of these racetracks and stables have gotten together to show the whole community a little bit about what they do and introducing new people to the sport or answering questions that the general public might have that maybe, because, you know, we all kind of relate to it. The media likes to tell a different side. They're telling the real story of how much they love these horses. And Where is this? It's all across the UK. So they've joined together in this initiative. So cool. So yeah. Cool. So it's like, you know meeting what? The race horses, hosting it, stable tours, all that stuff. That's so cool. It's like, you know, come here. Do you have like two hours? Let me tell you about my horse. Okay. First of all, I got him when I was like eight years old. Mm-hmm. I've always loved horses. And then I was a horse girl. That is like the most brilliant way to be able to tell somebody about your horse. It's such a cool thing and so great for the industry. I mean, we talk about it all the time of how do you bring new people in or help them understand what we do? 
it's things like this. And they really took it to social media. Like they created a hashtag and one of those like little photo frames you can do for your profile picture. Like they're really trying to get the message out of how much they love their horses. I always say education breeds interest. So if you can get people a little educated, they'll go search for more. Let's get more horse people involved. I love it. Well, we've got a really awesome show coming up today and we're going to talk. Gosh, I I am personally one of those people that has used bits in my horse's mouth forever. And I don't feel like I'm super educated about it. I kind of go, yeah, he likes that. Yeah. This one, that's a no. Mm -hmm. So it'd be interesting to see, to talk to a bit expert, but before we get to that, we need to hear from our title sponsor, our dear friends at Kentucky performance products. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Managing horses can be challenging. Each horse's personality affects the way he behaves and reacts to the world around him. Horses with certain dispositions can be at higher risk for developing health problems than others. High-strung or excitable horses are easily stressed, but so is the timid, quiet warrior. Stressed horses are more likely to develop digestive upsets that lead to colic, diarrhea, and ulcers. Nalox Advanced was specifically developed to support a digestive tract that is under stress. It sustains proper pH levels, reducing the incidence of ulcers and hindgut imbalances, while simultaneously supporting the healing of damaged tissues. Nalox Advanced supports the complete digestion of starches and sugars and sustains populations of beneficial bacteria. Make life a little easier on your sensitive horse and start him on Nalox Advanced today. To learn more about the ingredients in Nalox Advanced, visit Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. Well, Jamie, we talked a little bit about it earlier of how do you know what's the right bit when there's literally it feels like thousands of options and you just want to do what's best for your horse. Well, I'm really excited to introduce our next guest. It's Abby Klein. She owns the Bit Barn in Canada, and she's going to give us her best tips on how to find the best bit for your horse. Welcome to the show, Abby. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thanks so much for joining us. I can imagine we have a ton of questions to ask you, but before we jump into that, I'd love for you to introduce yourself a little bit. And you had a very particular horse who was hard to find the right bit for, and that led you to kind of where you are today. Would you mind sharing that story a little bit with us? For sure. So a few years ago, I bought an off-the-track thoroughbred. Her name was Danny. She was a very sensitive horse and very sweet mare with a lot of court. So I got Danny, and I'd only ever had easygoing geldings at that point. And I got Danny, and everything was just so difficult, especially bits. She really didn't like any bits, and it was really difficult to find something that worked for her. Luckily, at that point, I'd actually had a ton of options for her, and I probably went through about 50 to 100 different bits on her, just trying, and yeah, it was crazy. Luckily, I had access to them because I don't know what I would have done otherwise. She just was very particular, and... I had never dealt with that difficult of a horse before, even for my clients. Of course, I had the most difficult to bid horse out of any of my clients, which gave me a lot of experience 
trying to find something that works for thoroughbreds. And she ended up liking the bomber's ported barrel after going through all of bits. That was actually the second bit I'd tried, but she hated it the first time <laughs> I tried it. And we went back to it six months later. And then she was like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. And yes. she started going into the contact. <laughs> exactly, right? And yeah, so she went really well in it. And that was kind of my first really massive experience with thoroughbreds. And since then, I've dealt with hundreds of thoroughbreds and they're off the track. And it's been a really great experience. That's amazing. And I think that's a typical struggle. Maybe we don't all go through 50 to 100, but we definitely try as many bits as we can. And they're normally from suggestions from our trainers. That doesn't make it bad. Like they're doing the best with their knowledge mm-hmm. as well. But what has your experience been as far as, is there a difference among breeds for finding the best bit? Is it kind of best practice for the disciplines that you're in? It really depends on the horse. I have found with thoroughbreds especially, the issue is that they typically, the bits that are out there aren't made for their mouth anatomies. They typically have very narrow faces with not a lot of space. And most bits are really designed for horses who have more room in their mouth. And so trying to find something, um, depending on the breed, ends up being a really good way of doing it. I typically recommend different things for draft horses than I do ponies that I do for Arabian. So it really does depend on the breed, but that's going by the typical mouth anatomy. And that can greatly vary between the breeds as well. Okay. That's awesome to know. And I think we kind of take in with our thoroughbreds because they tend to be a little spicy, a little hot sometimes Mm -hmm. that there's this temptation to get, I don't want to use the word harsh, but a little bit like firmer Mm -hmm. break in the bit. Is that something you encourage as well of getting a little bit extra under you or do you prefer a lighter bit for a thoroughbred? For thoroughbreds, the issue is that most people overbit them because they are so hot and fiery. And that ends up actually making things worse. Horses are flight animals. So if you put something on them that is potentially painful or restrictive, they're going to want to run through that. So really the best thing to do is I always tell people, You want to find something that makes your horse more comfortable so that they go into the contact and accept the contact and they're going to respond way better to it. And that's generally the best practice I found, especially with the super sensitive thoroughbreds. You can't force them to do anything. You really want to make them more comfortable and then they're going to respond better to it in the long run. That makes perfect sense. Have you found that with standard breads as well? Or if you've done any experience with standard breads, I should start with that. I haven't done a ton with standard breads, but honestly, I have found that for every single horse I've dealt with. Of course, you have the horses that do need some leverage, but what the main thing I do is try to find the mouthpiece that works best for each individual horse. And then if you need some leverage, there's nothing wrong with that if you do it in a kind way. You can go to a Kimberwick with a really nice soft mouthpiece, such as a Bomber Happy Tongue. You could go to a Pelham. If your horse tends to lean down, you can go to a swales. And I really recommend if you are going to go to a leverage cheek piece that you use a mouthpiece that's either solid or a barrel joint so it doesn't collapse in the mouth and place excess jaw pressure on as well. Well, first of all, let me say, preach it, sister, when you talked about using a harsher bit, because Mm -hmm. I've always found that if you add pain, they will run. 
And the more pain yep. you add, the faster they're going to run. And then people get in this exactly. cycle of overbidding. And then you see these monstrosities yeah. on these horses that are going two nine in the local jumper yeah. class. Or you create a ticking yeah. time bomb who's just well, you know, learned it, helplessness. Yeah. yeah, that's what it is. So exactly. I, I, You've got so many awesome bits to look at on your website, but one of the things that I find challenging is not only just a bit, but also the what the bit is made out of, mm-hmm. the material of For the sure. bit. What are some of the things that you recommend? And then I'm going to ask you, what do you not recommend? Start with the positive. <laughs> what do you recommend for, we're going to focus on thoroughbreds here because that's what we do. Yes. So for thoroughbreds, I typically recommend staying away from the typical synthetic bits. And that has nothing to do with the material itself. It has to do with typically the synthetic bits are way too thick for their mouths. So what do you mean by synthetic thicker, bits? So synthetic rubber going to something like the nylon composite, the happy mouth of plastic. Any of those are just far too thick for thoroughbreds' mouths. Interesting. Okay. Sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt. Carry on. (laughs) No problem. So going to something thicker, a lot of people think it's going to be softer. But that only works if a horse has the amount of space in the mouth for that. So going to something that is super thick is going to place excess pressure in their mouth. And a lot of times they won't even be able to close their mouth. So traditional synthetic bits are typically around 20 millimeters thick, which a thoroughbred only usually has a space for a 14 millimeter thickness in a bit. That's a big difference. Which really isn't much space at all. So if there is someone wanting to go to a synthetic bit, the one I usually end up recommending is Bomber's Molded Mullet. It's actually designed for horses who don't have much space in their mouth. It's about 15 millimeters on the sides near the cheek pieces, and then it goes over to 10 millimeter thickness over the tongue. So it allows for a lot of space in their mouth. It exerts even pressure around the mouth as well, which is really nice. So that's the really the only thinner synthetic that I end up recommending for thoroughbreds. Okay. And so what are some of the non-synthetic ones you recommend? For sure. So Going to non-synthetic, we have a lot of different options for metal mouthpieces. One of the newer ones is titanium, which is extremely light and can be a really good option for sensitive horses. We have stainless steel, which honestly, I don't typically recommend as much because horses tend not to like the flavor of it. It's just not as nice. And then we also have bits made with copper, which will give a really sweet taste to the horse. The only issue is if you're using a full copper mouthpiece, they end up being potentially brittle and it's a very soft metal. So I Mm -hmm. recommend using something like a Springer, which has copper in it, but it's still hard. So it's going to have the flavor without it eventually breaking off. And I've seen horses that have copper bits. And the joints actually end up breaking and then you are left with a horse without a bit and running away on you. With a runaway, yeah. (laughs) Now, one of the bits that I use that I have found many of the thoroughbreds that I deal with, it's Mm -hmm. a sweet iron with copper inlay. And so it gives it a little pieces of cotton. What do you think about the sweet iron? Sweet iron is one of our most popular bits by far, and we recommend them all the time. And the one thing I always tell people is they will oxidize. They will change color. 
and you want that. The horses tend to like the flavor. It's going to help them salivate. It's also a warmer bit as well. So it's not going to be cold to the touch like stainless steel. It's going to warm in their mouth really nicely, especially for in the winter times um, when you put a bit in their mouth, which is really nice. And sweet iron lasts forever if you take care of it, which is awesome. And bombers especially, they make over 29,000 different bits, which is absolutely insane. And they all come in sweet iron. I got to look this brand up. That's interesting. Oh, I'm buying one, Jamie. I already had my <laughs> consultation with Abby and I'm buying one. I just have to do the fitting. Um, What's it I- called? A bomber? Bombers bit. They are initially blue when you buy them and then they'll oh. oxidize and they'll turn a grayish brownish color when they oxidize and they're just really well made they have stainless steel cheek pieces but the mouthpiece is all sweet iron and they oxidize really nicely and evenly which is awesome and they also do a lot of customized bits which is great and the one thing about bombers is that they specifically design bits for thoroughbred mouths well, that's awesome. Okay, I'll have to check that out. And yeah. again, you can find these things mm-hmm. on bitbarn.ca, correct? Yes, that is correct. So before we jump off with you, Abby, I'd love for you to talk about the consultation process. If people want to learn like your suggestions for their horses, how would you recommend them get in touch for with sure. you? So if you go to our website, you can directly book on there. You just choose the Zoom Bit Consult. And during the Zoom Bit Consult, we'll talk about different options for your horse based on their breed, your discipline. If you're in dressage, we'll only recommend dressage legal bits. If you feel like you need leverage, then we'll give you really nice choices and humane choices for your horse. And the other thing that we do is if you end up purchasing a bit through us, you also receive a free 30-day trial. And so we can make sure that your horse likes the bit and that you're happy with it and it fits everything. And then we can exchange it if it ends up being the wrong size or you're unhappy with it. So we can just make sure your horse is as happy as possible with the bit. That's amazing. And I don't think there's a lot of places you can try that. So definitely check out BitBarn. Reach out to Abby. Thank you so much for joining us today and educating us a little bit more on bits. Of course. I'm so happy to be here. As we mentioned before, they are still out there. Those ginormous horrible. What do you guys call them in Michigan? We call them buzz bombers. Buzz bombers. I call them pterodactyls. And they are those horrible (laughs) ginormous horse flies that if they even swarm around you, your horse gets freaked out. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about the Cashel Company's Quiet Ride line. They have everything actually designed. They have fly masks that go over your bridle. They've got everything that you could possibly need as far as fly control. And uh, the Cashel Company's Crusader line has everything you need to stay fly free and comfortable. Available fly masks, fly sheets, fly boots. The Crusader line comes in an array of styles and sizes. It's an amazing alternative to chemical-based fly sprays that are expensive, may not last that long, and you can check out Cashel's Quiet Ride line as well because you can go on those long hacks and not worry about the flies ruining your ride. So treat your horse to some fly-free comfort and check out Cashel Company's Crusader and Quiet Ride products today at any of their nationwide authorized dealers or visit CashelCompany.com. 
I'm pleased to welcome to the show one of our junior competitors of the 2021 Thoroughbred Makeover, the Mega Makeover, with probably one of the more unique horses you will see at the entire competition. We've had a couple of the the spicy ones on, and this is no different. Cody, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's not polite to ask a lady her age, but I'm going to ask you anyway. How old are you? I'm 16. 16. And where in the world are you? I am just outside of D.C. in Virginia. All right. And and so you're in some beautiful horse country there. So tell us a little bit about Variegated. So he has been off the track for, I think, about a year, maybe a little over a year. And he was in one race, but he came in dead last. So his owners decided to sell him. And my mom found him and showed me a picture. And I fell in love with him immediately. So somehow we ended up here and my mom suggested that I take him in the makeover. He is so unique. So I was looking him up and his papers say that he's dark bay or brown. But he's not that. Maybe they don't have a color for this on their papers. Tell everybody what color he is. So he is what is considered an overo thoroughbred, but he's in simpler terms, he's a pinto. A lot of people think he's a paint, but he's a pinto. Now, if you are coming at me from the South, we pronounce that Overo. So he's an Overo thoroughbred. <laughs> now, I did think that, like, that was my question was, would you actually consider him a paint? Because paints are up to like half, they can be up to half thoroughbred. So he would not be a paint. He would be technically a Pinto. Yeah, he is 100% thoroughbred. So he's a Pinto. That is so cool. His sire is butta bling. So obviously he's got some chrome. What were his sires all colored? So butta bling was an overo thoroughbred, but his dam was dark bay. You don't have to say it the way I say it. You're a you're a Yankee. You can say it <laughs> however you want. That is so unique. So what are you guys competing in? I am taking him in the show jumpers. Oh my goodness. So, and how has he taken to that sport? I can tell he loves it. He gets so excited whenever I take him around the course and he has his ears up the entire way around and just gets so excited. That's fantastic. Now you are like, I, what did we call you? A TikTok influencer at this point? (laughs) She's a TikToker. So tell everybody about your TikTok and what is on it and and they can see this amazing. (laughs) What do you call him, by the way? I call him Ari. Ari. Okay. Where can everybody find you and Ari on TikTok? So his TikTok account is called Ari underscore the horse 34. And I mostly just make videos of his quirky personality and some updated videos on like what I'm doing with him and how he's doing and just some weird videos that I think people will like. I think that we've had so many people on for the RRP and you are our first TikToker to come on. How has it been <laughs> making these videos? Because a lot of people, they do their Facebook page, they might do an Instagram and they, they you have your show photos that you've been putting up. 
but you've really taken some time to show your personality as well as his. Like, how do you get the ideas and does he seem to enjoy all the extra attention? So I have my own TikTok account that is not linked to my horse's TikTok account. And so that's kind of what gave me the idea to make Aria TikTok. And I've seen like how interesting it is to watch like horses on TikTok. It's not Mm -hmm. a big set of TikTok that has horses, but I love watching those videos. And I thought that it would be cool to show off Ari and his personality and his unique color all over TikTok. And people seem to like him a lot. Yeah, no kidding. Yes. He just looks like he's a lovable horse. He's got such a quiet eye and you clearly adore him. Do you have plans for him after the makeover? After the makeover, I'm probably just going to keep training him to be my jumper pony. I really want to take him to Wellington at some point and take him into the thoroughbred jumpers. Oh my gosh. That's a good goal. That's a great goal. That's fantastic. To end it, I think it's a great way to end it because we ask everyone, what's your biggest goal for the makeover? What are you hoping to take away from it? To be honest, I wasn't really sure that I was going to do the makeover when I first got Ari. So I didn't really think about it for a while. But I really just like the thought of going there mainly for the experience and to meet a bunch of new horse people who are really excited about horses like I am. And just to like learn new things. Absolutely. Make sure you set aside some time to watch. I competed a couple years ago and that was my biggest regret was that I kept myself so busy. I did the freestyle and the eventing, which is like basically four events. And I just did not have time to really enjoy the makeover. So make sure you give yourself a buffer on a couple of days before or after your competition to go watch. I mean, especially the field hunters. That was pretty cool. Definitely will do that. And take a bike. Otherwise, you walk 9,000 miles. (laughs) Or, you know, wear your Apple Watch, get your steps in. And you should also, there's a couple other colored thoroughbreds going, the uniquely colored thoroughbreds, too, who've been on our show. You find them, you should do a TikTok all together. I think it'd be so cute. Yes, we need a photo shoot with you and Marsha Hartford Sapp's horse, for sure. (laughs) That would be awesome. Awesome, girl. Well, good luck to you. We'll be watching you and cheering for you, okay? Okay. Thank you so much. All right, Cody. Have a great day. Well, Jamie, it's time for a fan favorite piece of the show. And that's where Leander comes on to educate us more and more on how we can play with our retired racers. Leandra, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Of course. I'm sure things are buzzing at New Vocations. We're getting to some much fairer weather and I'm sure you have lots of ponies to play with. But There's also a beautiful thing about fall, and that is those amazing fall hacks. How do you like to introduce the thoroughbred or standard bred to that first ride outside the arena? That is a great question, and people tend to tackle that very different ways. So here, I would say the biggest part of it is going to be using your discretion based off the horse as an individual, because... There are certainly times when you're working a horse in the outdoor, for example, and you just get the sense that they're going to be good for it, which might sound ridiculous, but I feel like we can all probably relate to that where we just feel pretty confident that the horse is going to be able to tackle that challenge because the horses obviously have different thresholds for 
adaptability to new situations, to mm-hmm. the way that they encounter new obstacles and new environments. So sometimes you just get a pretty good sense of it. Also, one of the things that you can look for when you're trying to make that call about you know when to tackle it and what's the appropriate horse is going to be how they do on their own. So if this is a horse that you can pretty regularly ride on by themselves and they don't get stressed out, then that's a pretty good indicator that they're going to be all right for it. So say that we just take that horse, that situation, and you basically decide to just take the plunge. To us at New Vocations means basically going just outside of the ring and around the barn. So I'll always just try to pick areas that are relatively flat and relatively close to the barn at first, because that way, if things start to go awry, you've got a pretty easy out. You don't have to worry about them panicking and stumbling because the ground's really uneven. And then hopefully somebody will see you if things are really go awry. <laughs> and you just take baby steps with it. Don't plan on doing this big expedition. I think one of the things that ties people up the most is having these expectations of how it's going to go. So just plan for something easy. And if you can't open a gate from the, from while you're on, which is totally understandable because a lot of them don't want to do that or just that alone might stress them out. Have somebody open the gate for you and then just kind of walk with you if you have any doubts at all. It really doesn't hurt at all to play safe like that. So on the other end of things, if you have a horse that you know is going to be maybe a little more hesitant about going out on their own, one of the very best things you can do is have a buddy. And like I just mentioned, maybe that buddy is unmounted, but it can really, really help to have a horse who has experience, who you've already done that whole process with, and you know, is pretty predictable and level-headed to help guide the other one who might not have the same disposition because we know horses are herd animals. They take the example of the leader. So if you can have a clear leader, then that can really help to pacify them. If they do start to panic, you might need somebody to pony you from their horse. And like I said, one of the best things you can do as just a safety precaution for yourself is just make sure you have a buddy. If you really can't do that, then stick around the barn and see what happens. There are lots of different ways that you can introduce them to hacking out without putting yourself in a high level of risk. So just baby steps, always key. A couple of things jumped out at me. First of all, I always think that the, the best thing to train a horse is to have a really quiet gelding because, you know, if you, because the mares can have a little bit of a bubble, but I have a 27 year old gelding here who we still ride, 28, still ride all the time because these horses, race horses can practically run him over and jump on top of him and he just goes, <laughs> damn kids, you know, like he's yeah. so unaffected. Yeah. But the, the other thing that stuck out to me, is the fact that you talked about the terrain. A lot of these, um, let's be honest, these horses have not been ridden on any undulating terrain at Mm -hmm. all. They have been on a flat, smooth surface and the track, and then you take them to your arena. And so really plan for that. They have to navigate. Yeah, they're turned out all the time, but they don't have a hundred and something pounds on their back. So you have to be really clever and just, like you said, just bring 
break it down bit by bit. Hey, we're going to go on a mm-hmm. four minute hack today and tomorrow we might make a five minute hack or you go in the arena and you ride and then you take them just on a loop around the paddock, you know, or something like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, safety and numbers keeping them just calm and serene is probably one of the better options. Now I have to move on because I'm watching a video. (laughs) This might be one of the nicest mares I have ever seen come out of new vocations. It's probably one of the nice mares I've seen. This mare is a 16. So we're talking about our adoptable horse of the week. She is a 16, three hand just phenomenally moving horse really nice she had a really long race career of i don't know one and she (laughs) retired sound and healthy and they were like you know that one race she showed no promise and so they just go tell us the story of mo spicy yes you introduced her perfectly i think because mo spicy is definitely that diamond in the rough type horse where she had that one start she came in 10th i believe out of 10 so maybe out of 11, but the really <laughs> did pretty terribly. And we always love the donors who send us the horses because they say, you know what? This horse really showed no promise or willingness to do this. So we would like it to have a really good shot at another career instead of trying to push them along in something that clearly they don't have any talent or maybe they also saw that she didn't want to do it. For whatever reason, we are really grateful to have her and I list even in the profile her a 63 plus because her butt right now is over 17 hands. This is a horse who is very, very much still growing. But as you can see in the video, as you noted, that she is a pretty awesome mover, even as a three-year-old. And She's three, and she is that big different. and balanced. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. One of the things that really stood out to me because... In her profile, we show also a video where she's walk only, and that is the difference between the walk truck canter video and the walk only ride was just less than two weeks, where this was a horse who came to us. They said that she had a really nervous disposition, and she just got kind of frazzled on the track, which I believe played into why they decided to let her move on to a different career path. And so coming into this, we just went really slow. And the benefit of that was that as soon as she was ready to work, she already had all this built-in talent. So in the walk truck canter video you see in her trot to canter depart, she just steps right into it. And that's pretty phenomenal for a three-year-old anyway, but not to mention that this is one who we were saying, you know what, if we can just relax at the walk, that's a happy ride for the first two weeks of that. And then two weeks after that, she's going along happily walk to a canner with a lawnmower in the background, my dogs at the side of the ring, and is clearly transformed already into a pretty incredible athlete. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. She yeah. has so much more talent to develop, and we're just hoping that because of her size and her age, that somebody will just go really slow with her and let her develop, especially because we know that she can be nervous if she's pushed into something she doesn't like. But she also has so much talent to give if you just handle her in the right sort of way. Okay. So she really I, is 
and I'm going to interrupt. I looked her up here. And this is the who's who of the third red world. First of all, she's she's by Uncle Mo. So she's incredibly well-bred. The fact that they didn't keep her as a broodmare goes to show on how much they really want her talent. Now, do you know who owned her? Let's see. The owner and breeder was Rapoli Stables. Rapoli Stables. Joy, do you know who that is? I do not, actually. Mike Rapoli is the inventor of vitamin water. Okay. Whoa. So it's a really big deal. Who trained her? Oh, I don't know. Todd Pletcher. Ever heard of him? Like, this is the who's who of the thoroughbred horse world. And this is a, you can tell this is a really, okay, you know what? Screw it. I'm coming to get her. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is like, I am really, really impressed by this mare. Just, yeah, like you said, her step into the canter and how balanced she is. Like, somebody is going to get a gem of a horse. So, Mo Spicy is the name of the mare. You can find her at horseadoption.com. She's at the Kentucky branch. Anything else you need to tell us about Mo Spicy? I would say just check her out because I don't think that she'll be available to adopt very long. She's no. just a really cool horse. Even on the ground, this is exceptionally easy horse. So if you want to really have this opportunity that everybody is wanting to get that horse who doesn't have any known limitations, who has a lot of talent to spare and just needs the right person, definitely check her out. Yes, and she is one of the $2,500 range, which is totally worth it. And this is what you guys call the, quote, unicorn horses. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I can't wait to see who gets this one and what happens to most spicy in the future. But, Leander, thank you so much for joining us. As always, we really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Talk to you next time. Everybody, thank you so much for being with us today. We really appreciate it. Tell your friends, review us on whatever method of podcast you use, please, and uh, and share it around. We love having more listeners and we love hearing from you. So you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on the website of Retired Racehorse Radio. Like us on Facebook, Instagram, search for Retired Racehorse Radio. I have a Facebook page. It's called Flyover Farm Jamie Jennings certified Monty Roberts instructor. And you can also email me at jamie at horseradionetwork.com. My email is joy at horseradionetwork.com or find me on Instagram at the foodie equestrian. Thank you so much to our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products and Cashflow Company. We could not do this without you. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Remember to set your goals high and love to learn from every ride. And spay, neuter, and geld. Bye, everyone. Bye.